0: Welcome to the CPG Innovation Podcast, where industry thought leaders connect technology to the latest market trends in fast-moving consumer goods. I'm your host, Susanna Tripologis. In this episode, I have an interesting conversation with Melanie Bartelmi, a global food analyst at Mintel, where she provides insights on global innovation and consumer trends across a number of food categories, including pasta, produce, and grains. At Mintel, Melanie co-created the annual U.S. flavor and ingredient trends, which spotlight the cuisine types and ingredients that are growing on restaurant menus and on grocery shelves. In this conversation, we discuss the effects of COVID-19 on flavor innovation, how technology is changing the way we interact with food labels, and we touch on two interesting conflicts driving consumers, health versus comfort and indulgence versus saving money. There's a lot to glean from this episode. So let's jump right in. Melanie, it's so great to have you today. Thank you for joining us. Um, would love to get a, to know a little bit more about you. So perhaps we could start off and you could share with us what your current role is at Mintel and you know how did you get interested in the field that you're in today? Or perhaps what was the path that brought you to the position that you're in.
1: <laughs> yeah, um, well, it's so nice to, to meet you, Susanna. And um, yes, so it's been a little bit of an unusual pathway, I guess, because um, I actually, my first job out of college, I was writing children's books. So oh, it's a my. very different, <laughs> different field than where I ended up. So um, it's really all been driven by my love for food. So that's taken me, in a lot of different directions. I worked at Groupon. I wrote for the food and drink blog there, and I just wanted to do more of that. So I ended up at the Institute of Food Technologists. Uh, So I learned more about the food science uh, side of things, got to know it from the other side, um, you know, not being the consumer, thinking about it from the the scientist's point of view. And then I really love new product development and trends. And so I found my way to Mintel where I get to you know, think about that and and what consumers are looking for and
0: and the why. So it's, it's really all kind of come full circle for me. That's great. It sounds like you have a very creative background and uh, <laughs> you never know where paths will lead you. Uh, I know I have a culinary arts background, so I have a love for food myself. And so it's, it's nice to to hear that. Um, So today we really wanted to focus on talking about, you know, the impact of COVID-19 on CPG innovation. So thinking about how it's impacted consumers and discovering new flavors, Um, you know, flavors are always changing. We see that in products all the time where they're adding, you know, savory to something that you would anticipate being sweet or vice versa. So if you could share with us the current trends of the flavors or how COVID-19 has impacted those changes that we're seeing. Yeah. You know, it's
1: really interesting because I think that this has really gone in a couple of directions because, um, I think number one, from the traditional way we think that consumers discover new flavors has traditionally been in restaurants. They start there and they kind of trickle down into other restaurants and then finally into into retail. But I think we're really seeing that kind of shift because COVID made it so that we don't necessarily um, get to go out to restaurants. We're, We're kind of getting back into it. But Um, We have some data recently that I thought was really interesting. We were asking specifically about learning about new food and drink flavors. And we saw that 57% of consumers in the US say that they discover new flavors online versus 42% who said restaurant menus. So that has really, I think, been a noticeable shift here. And a lot of that, for me, what I've been seeing is how social media is really driving a lot of this sort of exploration where you you see people trying something and consumers say, what's Dalgona coffee? You know, what's... People are making banana bread. What are all of these things? And so all these new flavors are sort of entering into the consciousness, and then they get translated into some of those products. Um, One of the other things that we noticed is that uh, travel, even though we couldn't really go a lot of places, has been a driver of flavor development and still has a lot of opportunity there. So we're thinking specifically about regional flavors around the U.S., We saw consumers last year really taking road trips, um, getting in RVs. They were all over Airbnbs, so they were kind of doing their staycations at a domestic level. So we saw consumers maybe um, getting to know different kinds of regional barbecue or things like that. So um, we had a really great survey about this too. And we know that 74% of U.S. consumers say they've tried any sort of American barbecue. So there's really high uh, familiarity with this, but we are seeing more of that breakdown into more regional things. And I think that's something that we're going to continue to see happening Um, Especially as consumers are able to kind of get back out there and maybe go internationally, I think we'll see some of that regionality come and take a little bit of a a bigger picture. We'll see, you know, maybe into other countries again, sort of see some more of that international um, influence as well.
0: Oh, I love that. And I've been hearing a lot of, um, you know, people moving out of major cities into the rural areas and how that'll affect flavor trends as they begin to explore perhaps new flavors that they didn't, you know, weren't aware of before. So that's, yeah. that's really great. Do you think that um, the consumer expectation um, has changed or, or that it will change as far as value or transparency with this shift with COVID-19?
1: Yeah. You know, I, that's actually one of Mintel's um, 2021 trends really looked at that for the coming year about how we have this sort of, you um, multiple facets when we think of the idea of value. It's about cost, how much things Mm -hmm. actually retail for, but it's also about, is this worth the investment in something when money is maybe tight, when maybe we're thinking uh, we're a little bit more anxious about what the future holds. And so we've been seeing a lot of companies kind of Introducing smaller sizes of something, little single-use packets. I think AmSam is a really great example of this. Um, they're the... Uh, it's two sisters who started a company on authentic. um, They hate the word authentic. So I apologize to them if they hear this, Um, but they worked with chefs um, from different Southeast um, Asian backgrounds and created these flavors, these um, packets that had um, sauces and then sometimes little dry components, but they had a starter pack. So it was really nice because it's not a huge investment. You can get it, you can try it. And if you love it, then you can rebuy. But I think they've really done a great job with things like that. And we're seeing, I think, a lot more of that where you can sort of uh, have a little bit more trial. We're seeing that some with the meal kits and sometimes actually take out food in retail coming from restaurants, just these little small ways of these sort of um, approachable, these permissible indulgences in our lives. And we're also thinking about that value as morals, as ethics, as what do I believe in? So we're seeing a lot of interest in consumers wanting to support their local communities. So it's been interesting to see some of that too, where uh, in Chicago, there's a taco uh, restaurant or Mexican restaurant called Big Star. And over last year, they were highlighting, I think every month, maybe it was every week, a local taqueria that maybe wasn't getting the foot traffic or wasn't getting as much of the attention. So they were using their influence to shine a spotlight on the local. So it was really interesting to see that as well.
0: Yeah. I love to see that support, like supporting each other, especially during this time. And, um, you know, personally, I've seen a shift with spending habits in my own life and with other people. And so, um, you know, in the beginning of this whole pandemic, everybody was just hoarding things because of the uncertainty, yep. right? Yep. We're all in the same boat together. So, I feel like we're getting to this point now, where maybe we've hit the, you know, we're getting to the to better days. And if I could ask you a little bit more about, um, you know, consumers choosing between, you know. Self care versus comfort, or you know, how do they make that decision of what they're spending their their money on, right? And they when they go to buy, purchase something in the store, how do they get influenced, and how do they how do they decide, you know, what's more uh, a treat versus something they're indulging in? You know, I think what's kind of interesting is because of COVID,
1: I think sometimes self care and indulgent treats have become sort of the same thing for a lot of people. So, um. There was in our, um, we have another trend this year called um, Feed the Mind. So we were talking a lot about how food plays not just a role in, you know, your physical well-being, but also in your mental well-being. And so some of this was looking at those little rituals in our lives. So maybe it's getting that Starbucks and maybe it's, you know, having a little piece of chocolate, but we saw some companies really leaning into that and offering this idea of the ritual as part of what they were Sort of marketing. So um, Starbucks was working with Headspace, and Headspace does so many great partnerships. So, the meditation app, but they were trying to highlight that idea of habit stacking, where if you're getting a coffee, you have maybe three minutes before, you know, your kids are asking you for something or you have to walk back into the office, but there are these kind of three minute, couple minute episodes to sort of give yourself that little bit of peace. So maybe it's not the food, but mm. the coffee is already part of that self-care. It's already part of, you know, your indulgence. So it maybe makes it a little bit more worthwhile to say, I am going to invest in the coffee. And then on the sort of way higher end of that Vosges, um, uh, hot chocolate here in Chicago, They have these incredible ritual kits based around chocolate, because I think for a lot of us, chocolate is already something that you maybe, you know, have a little square at night. It's your sort of uh, ending the day ritual, but they have this entire ritual collection with chocolate and then with a journal and um, sage that you can burn and crystals and sort of really leaning into it. And it's it's kind of like 80 bucks or something like that. So it is really about treating yourself. So I think that's the interesting part is that wherever you fall on the sort of what your income is, what what, um, disposable income you have, there is some way for food to serve that sort of self-care purpose. And then of course we are seeing consumers also thinking about the wellness part of it. So um, maybe that's Getting a really delicious pasta sauce so that you can eat it with your zoodles or whatever you know grain alternative maybe that you're thinking about. We've seen a lot of cool introductions from restaurant brands like um, Carbone um, in New York has a now they've got they've made that really uh, sort of selective, very ex- exclusive experience accessible for consumers wherever they are.
0: I also wanted to talk to you about how companies are reacting to the pandemic. So we've seen a lot, we've seen a lot of conferences that have, you know, didn't really happen last year. So if you're familiar (laughs) with like the the bigger ones in Chicago and the ones that you you typically, you know, participate in and, and speak at, and all of a sudden it came to this halt, right? And so there's been a shift to more virtual events. So how do you think that companies are reacting to that? Do you think that this will continue? And um, I think everyone had to just really quickly understand how to do virtual, right? And get they were okay yeah. with getting on camera, and so it was such it was so it happened so fast for for everybody. <laughs> but do you think that this will continue? Do you think that this will be the new the new normal? Uh, what's your What's your assessment on that?
1: I think that we have seen a lot of really interesting um, sort of ways that companies have approached being virtual, whether that's actually at a conference um, or with their audience out there uh, in the different ways that they've sort of gone online. So uh, back in 2020, I think it was um, McCormick did a virtual taco Tuesday event with Drew Barrymore. And so they, they were taking questions from the audience. They were building that into the entire uh, experience, the demo, and then they donated a bunch of money to No Kid Hungry. So that was a really great way of getting that, um, the products out there showing how they're being used and then also doing something good with it. And I have seen that I think it's the Lucky retailer, Lucky California. Um, They just did a new sort of prototype uh, retail outlet out there, and they're going to have a live demo in store. So it's sort of that taking something we've learned from the pandemic, that people are really into watching other people cook, and then bringing that into real life. Um, One other thing I think is really interesting is gaming. We know Mintel has a gaming library, and so we have such great information on that. But it's a place where we've been seeing a lot of product um, sort of partnerships and interaction. Um, Animal Crossing is one where we've seen a ton of activations. So in Canada, Hellman's, um, I play this game, so it's probably too much information. I will go right past it, but... There's 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 uh, produce that can go rotten, basically, and they were encouraging people to let their produce go rotten. And then when they threw it away, then they would donate um, meals to to people in need. So it's been some really dynamic, really interesting um, like product sort of interactions that don't feel forced because I think at the end of the day, everybody yeah. can sort of tell when you're just trying to shoehorn something in there, but these have been really great and really creative. So that's something, the creativity, I really hope, and I think will definitely continue.
0: I love hearing that. I think that's influencing even kids who are playing that game to show them how they could, you know, not make food waste. Yeah,
1: there's a, a company, um, we, we had a trends observation on out in in Sweden called Nordic Total Nordic Produce. And they actually created a game for kids If they try a new fruit or vegetable, they can like enter to get codes online in this game and they upload videos and they're talking all about how um, these different fruits and vegetables are nature's own cheat codes. So there's really these opportunities to kind of take that so much further than I mean, we're dipping our toes in. It's new. Right. I mean but we are seeing people right. not just playing more games, but also watching other people play. So even if you're not the gamer, there is this captive audience for people who are seeing those things go on and kind of get excited by it.
0: Yeah, that's great. And I think now we see that there's a lot of interest in like labeling, right? So knowing, you know, what's on the label, mm-hmm. where is our food coming from? Even kids today are more triggered by what they see on the label and how does that impact, you know, what they eat with the decisions that they mm-hmm. make. So. Um, are you also seeing, or maybe you could share with us the consumer habits as it relates to labeling? Um, you know, there's been the U.S. a couple of years ago we changed the nutrition label, and we see a lot of claims on labels now. And the consumer themselves, they maybe don't always know what it means. Or, but are you seeing how technology relates to labeling and how that impacts the consumer overall? If you could share a little bit about that,
1: yeah, yeah, definitely. I think that. We do see consumers looking at labels. I think that they aren't as as many as we would want to be really scrutinizing those labels, mm-hmm. but they are noticing and the people who do care really care. So um, one of the right. things that we've been thinking a lot about is, you know, there are some of these attributes that appear on labels and, and they're great. Things like, you know, organic or, um, you know, some of these um, animal welfare Claims, things like that. But I think what we're going to see in the future is how those claims are going to become more specific, because for those people who care maybe about the animals, it is maybe not going to be enough to say this was a pasture raised egg. How how much space did that chicken have? What did the chicken eat? You know, some of this isn't going to fit on pack. And I think that's where the technology really comes in because again, not every consumer is going to take their phone and scan those QR codes on pack, but for the ones who really care about it, they're going to want that information. They're going to want to track it down and being able to have those right there for them. That's going to be really powerful, especially because right now for those people who were going out to restaurants or. You know, maybe doing some of the outdoor dining, so much of that was done through scanning a menu and looking at it on your phone. So right. that whole behavior yeah. is something that you know, the QR codes didn't really kind of take off in the U S kind of before COVID, but I think there could be some more momentum right. around it. If you know, we kind of can show, it's not just about, you know, what am I going to order? Is it eggs, you know, but to, to give some more of that information. So I think that could be great. And I, I do think that even though maybe the the number of consumers who are actively looking for this information is still kind of small, that it is going to continue to grow. Mm-hmm. And those companies that don't have that information out there, um, it, it could be a setback to to disappointed consumer who who really wants to see.
0: Yeah, and I, I would agree with you. During COVID, when we started going back to restaurants and uh, actually, one of the first ones I went back to was Big Star in Chicago because I, oh, I live in the area. And wonderful. that was the first time that I, I I had to use the QR code. And I was like waiting for the waiter to come, you know, <laughs> give me the, um, the menu. And then I realized that's not how they do it there. But it's about that point you mentioned about, you know, changing your habit. And so after that, after every time I would go back to another restaurant, I would have to keep, you know, scanning the QR code. And so I think that you're right. I think that we're going to see a shift where more more people are going to be going into the grocery store and, and, you know, scanning the QR code to learn more about their products. So it is all about habit. And I think, one thing that we, we probably have learned in COVID, a lot of our habits have changed. And yeah. uh, you know, if you think back to a year ago, how we're, what we were like then versus where we are today, I think a lot of us can agree with that. Um, Definitely. Maybe you can share with us uh, some upcoming trends and labeling if you have any anything that you could share or that you foresee uh, down the yeah. way. Yeah.
1: You know, I think it would be really interesting. I, I guess it's a little bit related to labeling, but more to the the whole shopping experience is to help consumers kind of bridge that sort of um, divide between where we were in, in COVID, where more people than before, um, still not a, a tremendous amount of people, but more people than before were shopping online. And for some of those people, those habits are going to To stay in place, but maybe they also want to get back into the store. So, being able to sort of combine those Mm -hmm. technologies between the online shopping experience, but then making it so that you can get into a grocery store, have your list, know where things are. Maybe some of it is the smart cart technology, maybe some of it is you know, as Home Depot, I think, or maybe it was Lowe's, you know, a couple of years ago had had the the map in store. So you know what you're looking for, you yeah. can get there quickly. And then maybe there's opportunities in those kinds of apps to suggest complementary things, you know, so you still have that sense of discovery. Um, I think that's going to be important. And I think we have seen consumers also thinking more about you know in in the moment in covid we were thinking about safety we were kind of navigating you know is covid spread on surfaces are we maybe looking more to single serve packaging because it feels safer because you know we we want to make sure that nothing's touched anything but going forward, I think consumers are going to be thinking more again about, all right, maybe I still got used to this convenience in COVID of the single serve, but now what do I do with all this packaging? So I know that recycling and, and sort of the disposal is, we, we've got a lot of, of room to, to go. We've got a lot to work out still about how to actually make recycling um, work well here, but um, to really help sure. consumers understand, unpack, what parts of this container can actually go where, you know, what, um, the, how to recycle label, I think can be really helpful because even people in the industry, I think can be really confused about what do, what do I do with this? Oh, you know, we had a little Memorial day thing. And I'm looking at this number five plastic
0: going, what do I do? What do I do with this? You know, <laughs> and, and I do this for a living, so. No, I know. And some things that you think are recyclable aren't. And so you're not sure, you know, if they go in the trash or they can be in the recycle bin. So I can see your point. Um, So tell us some of the trends that maybe that you personally are excited to try uh, in the coming year. So I'm sure you have some insight as to upcoming trends with flavors or with anything, maybe you could share with us what personally you're excited about that you'd like to tell us. Yes,
1: and I think I kind of have sort of like a layer upon layer of sort of trends here because um, <laughs> I don't know if you had a chance to check this out. Um, in May, the there was the pop-up grocer in Wicker Park. They are out of New York. And so they they were here for a month and they featured some of those um, DTC brands that you, know, you might want to try, but aren't sure you want to commit to you. Cause again, you, you've you got so many options now to get things online, but it was amazing because you could walk in and you could see all those sort of um, it was almost like going to a trade show because here's all those things I've seen before. I'm so happy they're out here. They're, you know, they're maybe have another flavor now maybe they've got a matcha here. And so it was awesome to have that experience and also to recognize that they have a hybrid experience where if you can't make it there, you can order a subscription box with some of those products and those sort of layer underneath that. So that was really fun. That got my sort of creative energy flowing again, thinking about all that stuff. But one of the products that I was really excited about that I had read about before was these um, partially veggie-based sausages that also had protein, um, animal protein by a company Mm -hmm. called Seymour. And I mm-hmm. bought one of those, and I was so excited because they tasted great and it made me feel like, you know, I was doing a little bit for you kind know, of reducing my meat consumption, kind of finding that balance. So um, I'm definitely excited to keep trying some more of those products that that I've seen kind of making these cool um, environmental claims. And then I think mm-hmm. trying some of those non-alcoholic uh, uh, roses that I picked up because, after a year of indulgence I think maybe I could use a little bit of a you know easing up here so So, um, I'm excited uh, about all that
0: well we we definitely enjoyed talking with you today and and sharing your experiences and your expertise so I want to thank you again and hopefully I'll bump into you one of those conferences in the future maybe we'll see each other on the floor I hope so (laughs) great talking to you I hope you enjoyed this conversation For more information about Melanie's work and to access the Mintel report mentioned in the episode, visit the links in the show notes and on our website. Make sure to subscribe to our channel wherever you listen so you don't miss an episode. The CPG Innovation Podcast is presented by Celerant. I'm your host, Susanna Tripologis. Thanks so much for joining us. See you next time.